So, uh, anything going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know what? What should we talk about, David? I, I don't. You know, uh, I it's, mean, I'm at a loss here, Josh. I, uh, I was wondering how are we going to even pull off this week's podcast. I don't know. Everybody, welcome in another uh, another week of the podcast, uh, Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon and David Person. Uh, it's uh, it's so weird, man, because uh, David and I are not in the same room this time. It's the first time that has uh, ever been the case. Uh, we are normally sitting right across the table from each other, but uh, you know, COVID and uh, other things have uh, have kind of required that we we do this one by uh, by Zoom, and so uh, here we are. I'm in uh, in the home office uh, that I'm very rarely allowed to go into because usually it's my wife's <laughs> stuff, and uh, uh, you know, this is where she comes back to to handle uh, handle the job duties and things. And uh, I tell, I keep telling her I'm I'm firmly on course to be a stay at home dad if she keeps moving up in the world. So, uh, uh, which yeah. is fine with me, you know. It's listen, that's that's been a lifelong dream, just stay at home dad. You 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 actually look like I already thought you were a kept man, so I didn't realize <laughs> that you weren't a kept man. That's that's good. That's good. I, You're working. No, I, that's a I'm good aspiration. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a kept man yet. I am aspiring to be a kept man. That's I see. What, yeah, yeah okay. I'm, well, I'm that's a good aspiration. Yeah, that's a is. good aspiration. It yeah. is. That's uh, a yeah. uh, you know. Uh, so, uh, anything going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know what? What should we talk about, David? I, I don't. You know, uh, I it's, mean, I'm at a loss here, Josh. I, uh, I was wondering how are we going to even pull off this week's podcast? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's um, I I, I gotta tell you, we we are uh, in uncharted territory here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, looking back on on where we are, because when we record this, it's now a little after twelve uh, on on Thursday, uh, and as of right now, it seems as though. Uh, we're we're trending toward very very solidly towards a convincing uh, President Biden victory, uh, or I guess President Elect uh, Biden uh, uh, here in the very near future. But you know they're they're still counting votes in Georgia and Pennsylvania, Utah and uh, Arizona, uh, and I, I assume at some point counting will resume in North Carolina. Um, although I, I've never seen people count votes slower than they currently are in Nevada. Uh, I mean. Mm. God, you'd think with all the casinos out there that they would know how to count a little faster. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, so we're uh, but we're, we seem to be headed that way. We're also headed towards what will be the most expensive uh, runoffs in the history of war, of the world uh, in Georgia, where uh, the uh, the control of the Senate, the U.S. Senate will hang in the balance of two runoffs there. Uh, and it's been a pretty wild uh Pretty wild few days, and and I guess in hindsight we should have seen this coming. Everybody said, you know, wait, wait, wait on the votes to be counted. It's going to look one way, then it's going to change, and it could go back and forth either way uh, in, in a lot of states. Uh, and I, you know, I I guess maybe we should have taken their advice, uh, but it's so hard to do, man. It's so hard to to not freak out, right? Well, I think um, I think. 
all of us, well, I'll, I won't say all of us, but I think many of us, and I, I think you and I both were on the same page on this, knew that there was going to be chaos in some form or fashion, mm-hmm. that this wasn't going to be a smooth situation. And so that is what we're seeing. Now, again, you know, this, this particular challenge that we're having with certain states, I didn't anticipate that. But mm-hmm. I knew things were going to be chaotic. I knew we weren't going to know the same night. And in fact, I still am not convinced that we may even be in the next week or over the weekend of this. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion, and this is a, a, an opinion, that, that we, will, we will know probably the winner. We'll have a pretty good projection of the winner of this thing by maybe late tonight, early tomorrow morning. And and by saying that, or, or late Thursday night, early Friday morning, uh, because I believe that Biden is going to take a really convincing lead in Pennsylvania. Uh, and when he does that, then that'll be a wrap. Um, and so I think that's, that's going to be, you know, what, once it's, once it passes a lot, and I've seen some projections of him exceeding a hundred thousand vote uh, lead in, in Pennsylvania, uh, and, and if that's the case, if it gets anywhere close to that, then that's a that's a wrap, and people can can start calling this thing. Well, if if that happens, I mean, right now he's still actually behind Trump in Pennsylvania. Sure. Yeah, but uh, but I know that every county hasn't been uh, accounted for, and I'm sure the I don't know. I'm assuming the major metro areas may mm-hmm. not have been accounted for there. So you know yeah. i mean it looks good for biden and i expect that that biden is going to have the electoral college uh you know we will know in terms of the electoral college i think mm-hmm. as you're saying by tonight or tomorrow friday yeah uh, which is when the podcast drops however it's still not going to be over because oh, no. there're going to be legal challenges so you know I, i'm not i'm not so convinced on that. Um, you know, I, I read through some of the legal challenges uh, that they have filed to this point, and, and they are they are not serious legal challenges. Uh, they are it, it's it, they really seem like PR stunts to kind of uh, you, you know maybe gin up uh, uh, controversy or you know or, or, or lead people to believe that there is there's something hinky going on with this ballots in case they need the support and the, and the stuff later. Uh, but I, you know, I think that if we, if it goes the way it's trending, and it looks as if it it, it is going to go at this point, this particular point right now, uh, given what ballots are left out there and how solidly a lot of these states are going uh, to Biden, uh, if he ends up winning Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Utah. Um, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that the GOP or other people are going to back or be very supportive of a lot of legal challenges, uh, to those, to those states. Uh, I mean, we'll it's just going to, yeah, uh, we will. I mean, I, and, and you may, and you may be right a hundred percent. I just, ha- I have my doubts about it. Well, I, I know that Trump is, is, is a burn the house down kind of guy. If he mm-hmm. can't win, he doesn't want anybody to win or survive. So, I mean, you can't underestimate that. And then I also think uh, the Republican Party has shown that they have little to no backbone when it comes to uh, standing up to this guy. And so I wonder if even as they watch his presidential career literally, (laughs) you know, literally uh, evaporate before their Uh eyes, I still wonder, are they going to show some 
you know, are they going to show some backbone? Because I think their fear is still, even beyond Trump, is still the Trumpers. Yeah. And the Trumpers are, you know, they are a, well, they are an interesting group of people. Yeah, they are. Uh, they are, and and I think we saw that most uh, most solidly in this state uh, on Tuesday, uh, yeah. where where uh, Donald Trump is a, is a very popular figure uh, here uh, for whatever reason, uh, and I mean I think we all have some ideas about what reasons mm-hmm. uh, those are, whether they be uh, you know uh, in, in race uh, rebellion. Um, um, you know, money, uh, and, or just kind of going along with the crowd um, in, in a lot of cases, which I think kind of tends to be the case a lot in this state because we have such a disengaged population uh, that they are that they don't tend to make decisions for themselves a lot of time. And uh, and uh, he won this state handily. Was it 20, 23 points or so, um, or twenty six points? I guess it was. And um, and, you know, it just is, uh, it's, it's a sad state. I mean, you know, you, you look around and, and kind of try to figure out why and, um, uh, you know, and, and it, I, you know, you can't really, I don't know that there is a singular issue that you can touch on here or, or if you could talk to people in, in small, even in small groups that they could tell you exactly why they were voting for him or much less why they voted, uh, for Tommy Tuberville, who ended up winning the U.S. Senate race over a very good, uh, a candidate, a very good senator, uh, Doug Jones, uh, and uh, Tommy Tuberville, who didn't have a platform at all other than I love Trump, I'm going to do what Trump's going to do, uh, even though Trump is quite clearly going <laughs> to lose. Um, you know, uh, uh, here we are. Well, and Tommy Tuberville won by 20 points. Well, I think I think what I've what I've what I was told a long time ago. This was back in 2016. What am I? One of my friends who's a conservative Republican said to me that what he liked about Trump was that Trump didn't care. And he just, Trump was, he he liked the way Trump upset the status quo, Mm -hmm. even in the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people who see strength Mm -hmm. in that bull in the China shop, you know, Yes. A reckless kind of persona that Trump has. I think they find strength in that. They see that as as strong. They see that as decisive, you know, whereas I see it as destructive and asinine. But they're seeing something else. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree with you in that. I think that there is a lot of that. And and I'll tell you this, uh, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it you know, whether we agree with it or not. But at some point. Uh, the Alabama Democratic Party and their candidates are going to have to figure out how to tap into that, um, you know, and because I, I, we, we've tried reason and we've tried decency uh, and, and we, we've tried to hit on Christian values uh, to a lot of, in a lot of cases. And, and none of that seems to be very effective. Uh, certainly not as effective as telling people it's okay to be white uh, it's okay to, you know, to be rebellious. It's okay to be, uh, you know, to fight. It's, you know, I mean, look at what has gone on here with, with Trump and all of the things that people said, uh, for years that, that led them to a more conservative voting mindset have gone out the window. They have excused, 
repeated affairs. They have excused bankruptcy. They have excused uh, elitism. They have excused, uh, you know, this this mindset of superior uh, education. Uh, they have, I mean, they have excused the fact that he's uh, from New York City and never was been out of New York City in his life for the most part. Um, I, I, they have excused his relationship with with former Democrats and his his stance on abortion, and I mean all of that. They excused it all in exchange for it seems this idea of rebellion against the system, uh, you know, or, or of the norms, and I, you know maybe it's something that that Democrats should should take a look at, uh, you know, the, to tap well, into this mindset. I would say um, if I were to boil down everything you just said, I would say that uh, at its root, what we're looking at is a demographic of people in our state who a solid and and I'd even say majority demographic of people uh, in our state who embrace the idea of white supremacy. They embrace the idea that, and and Donald Trump epitomizes that. He embodies that. I think for many people. Now, you know, white supremacy, and I, and I, and this is where I would differ with some of my African American brothers and sisters. White supremacy doesn't necessarily mean that you have an overt burning hatred for black mm-hmm. people, right? But you, but what it does mean is that. Anybody who subscribes to it, and by the way, black people also subscribe to white supremacy. There are blacks who I've talked to and who I've observed. I absolutely know they subscribe to it, meaning they believe that white culture is superior and consequently white people are superior. And then there are Mm -hmm. some, of course, who believe that genetically white people are superior. So Mm -hmm. that's something Mm -hmm. that I think the Democratic Party cannot subscribe to ever. Now, what I do think we we have where I do think we have failed and and you and I are probably going to differ on this. But where I do think we have failed is I don't think we have done a good enough job of positioning the Democratic Party as a party that is a party of people of faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying people of faith exclusively. We need Mm -hmm. to be. You know, we need to be what we are, which is diverse and 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 multi, uh, you know, multi-religious and multicultural and all of that. But we have not done a good enough job of accepting the fact that a person can be a Democrat and be pro-life mm-hmm. in the in the current understanding of what pro-life is. Now, I'm I'm pro-choice. Let me be clear. Right. I'm pro-choice, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also a person of faith, mm-hmm. and I think there's room for people who are who are people of faith, meaning you know, Christians with traditional Christian points of view, including the current Christian point of view on a on 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 this abortion question, which is you know what we would say is pro life. We've got to make it clear because that's that I'm a. a Two of the, the two things that I think, Josh, are, are problematic for a lot of people when they hear the word Democrat is they're not pro-life mm-hmm. or they don't have room for people who are pro-life. And 
it's a party that embraces same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. I subscribe to both. I am pro-choice. I am pro-same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. But that's not where a lot of Christian people are. And we've got to somehow figure out how to make the case that you can be pro-life and you can even be against same-sex marriage and you can be a Democrat. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree um, with that. Uh, I think that, um, you know, what whatever we're doing uh, here needs to be retooled. And I think they're working on that at, at the party. And, uh, you know, I think that there are some there's some things being discussed about about how to go about it. Uh, but, you know, I think more than anything, I think I, I think specifically on the issue of gay marriage, I think there's been a real softening on that for a lot of times. And I think that that can be pretty easily uh, pushed aside with, uh, you know, listen, I'm not trying to get into people's bedrooms. You know what I mean? It, it just, uh, mm -hmm. uh, listen, you know, what you do in mm -hmm. your own home, and I think we can all agree on that. We don't want to be told what to do. Um, but, I, you know, I, to me, I think where a lot, what, what I don't understand, uh, and I've, I've said this a lot to, to people uh, over the last, you know, several months, is I don't understand the relinquishing of American pride to Republicans. That's where right. that's where I think that that Democrats have lost a lot is on this attack of America. And it, whenever you see somebody on Facebook or Twitter or wherever uh, with li the little American flags out beside their names or their it, it's always a Republican. It's always a you know, whenever you see somebody with draping the flag or all this, it's always a Republican or conservative or somebody. And to me, I, I think that there has to, we had to take some of that back uh and and say and make sure that that we are you know you you can still identify the problems in a in a country while you while you you know you express the love and, and understanding of of how this is the greatest country on earth and all that kind of th things you know that that tend to attract your more conservative voters all right you can still say that we the, you know, because let's, let's be honest, it's true. We couldn't do a lot of the things like what you and I are doing in a lot of other countries. Uh, with, right. you know, but we can here because of our system that allows for such things. And, and I think that it's very good to say that, to, to, to get out in front and say, listen, we love this country. We love it more than anything. It's the same way with living in this state. We love this state. Otherwise we'd get the hell out of here. We wouldn't live here right. for generations, you know, but, right. but we do. We just would like for it to be a little better. Uh, you know, we would well, like for it to be better for people. Well, I think I think we've got to. Yeah, we do need to. We do need to do a better job of articulating that, mm -hmm. and not only to the public, but internally to ourselves. Because for many, let me be blunt here: for many black people, mm -hmm. it is very difficult, and I understand it as a black person. It's very difficult to reconcile loving America with the experience that we have had in this country. Mm -hmm. What I say to people is, you know, some of the people who say, well, you know, we need to leave this country or, or, or who disparage this country. I say to them, look, my father and my mother are buried here. Their parents are buried here. Their parents are buried here. And, and my ancestors literally built this country economically and in terms of infrastructure. I'm not going anywhere. My loyalty to this country is not only because 
of uh, some nationalistic nostalgia. It's literally because I helped to build this damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Me I, and I, my people, we helped to build this damn thing. We're buried here. I'm not going anywhere. This country owes me mm-hmm. like it owes, you know, uh, all the other people who have sacrificed to make this country what it is today. Mm-hmm. That includes all of the indigenous people whose land was stolen from them mm-hmm. and who who literally had to walk with bloody feet across the nation by because they were being forcibly removed. Yeah. That includes all of the people who were immigrants from Ireland and other places who had to suffer indignities due to discrimination. I mean, it, you know, there there are a lot of us, there are a lot of us who have made this country what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so I claim it as much. In fact, I believe, Josh, that this country is more mine because of the black experience mm-hmm. and because of the indigenous experience. I think this country belongs more to me and my indigenous brothers and sisters than it does to my white brothers and sisters. Because white people in this country would not be enjoying the benefits of being white had it not been for the free labor of black people, Mm -hmm. had it not been from the land stolen from the indigenous people. Mm -hmm. This is more my country than yours, as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, not. Not at all. Uh, I mean, you know, it's. I, I've al- always been and said it's. It's amazing. Amazing to me because one thing that should never be overlooked in this in this particular election uh, is the contribution of black voters here because we wouldn't be where we are uh, talking about a, a president like Biden uh, here without the the black vote that turned out in so many cities around the country. Atlanta being one of the one of them. Uh, and, and so I mean, it look it's. I don't understand how and why uh, black people in America still have such a love for America. I mean, it, you, you look back at the history, uh, not just of how how they got here, uh, but how uh, black people have been treated in this country since the, the beginning of time. You know, and it just is um, it, it's amazing to me uh, the endurance and, um, you know, the attitudes uh, of so many. And it just. I, I, you know, I don't disagree with what you said uh, there. It is, uh, it, it they, you did build it. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I, I can't argue with anything. I, but I, I think that we are going to have to figure out a way uh, moving forward here. Um, however, we need to pull in white people into into what we're doing and what we believe. What, whatever we need to do to pull them in and get them to go along and so we can we can understand so they can understand, you know, how, how things are and we can have a little better place. Uh, we're going to have to figure out some ways to do it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to, uh, slide out cause I think we have Anthony Daniels, uh, minority leader in Alabama is going to come on and we can, we can talk to him a little about this and about what went on in, in, in Alabama. And, uh, it, because, you know, he played, he plays a pretty big role in, in trying to get out the vote and trying to uh, recruit candidates and stuff as leader of the, uh, minority party here in the minority caucus in the house and um and so we'll we'll talk to him about kind of what went wrong and, and where everybody goes from here in just a minute i think he's standing by him just said we'll be right back
Alrighty, welcome back in Alabama Politics This Week. We are joined now uh, via Zoom, uh, and he's apparently a Zoom expert, uh, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels. And uh, thank you for uh, for taking some time. I know it's been a busy few days, right? Yes, it's very very interesting few days, but I am very optimistic and very excited about the national race and where we are right now in the states that have are on the verge of voting for uh, President, soon to be President-elect uh, Joe Biden and Vice President mm-hmm. Kamala Harris. So uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and really seeing these different states, you know, seeing Arizona and, and picking, getting Michigan back and getting Wisconsin back. And so I, I, I'm beginning to see some light at the end of the tunnel and, and very excited. Well, uh, and, and I hate to, to go right from, from good news to, to bad, uh, but I mean, we, we are we are in Alabama politics this week. And so it's, uh, you know, we, we need to talk about this state. And, and it's, you know, I, you and I talked last night. And so, I you know, I know that it's it's not all bad. If you look at the numbers, it's it's certainly the top of the ticket uh, there was was pretty terrible. And uh, but at the same time, there were some signs of life in, in in certain counties and in certain places that that I think y'all have identified for a while as maybe the future uh, and a future pathway back to to some some level of uh, not just relevancy but also you know competitiveness. Absolutely, you know, looking at Madison County, um, I look back at the numbers in 2012 um, and 2016. And Democratic performance. Now, Barack Obama, I think around 36 percent in Madison County. Hillary Clinton was probably 38 percent. But Joe Biden had 55 percent, about 55 percent. And Doug Jones. uh, uh, I'm sorry. uh, um, Joe Biden had 45 percent and Doug Mm -hmm. Jones uh, got 48.6 or 7 percent. And so what we saw was you look at Walt Maddox in the mid in the uh, midterm. He got a thousand votes uh, more than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. got about sixty-two thousand. Walt Maddox got about sixty-three thousand. But Joe Biden got eighty-nine thousand in Madison County. So mm-hmm. what that tells you is that the turnout strategy that we use in this particular election cycle actually increased Democratic performance tremendously. Because Joe Biden, Doug Jones performed 7,000 votes higher than Joe Biden in Madison County, right? But what you're mm-hmm. beginning to see is now I can go to um, <clears throat> David Persons and say, hey, we need you to run for uh, county commission or Congress, right? And then what he whoa, said, whoa, whoa, are you whoa, like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that, is that a conversation we're going to have? Well, he's going <laughs> to tell me, Anthony, are you out of your mind? And I'm going to exactly. say, David, uh-huh. look. <laughs> Um, Joe Biden never been to Madison County. He got 45% of the vote, right? Looking Mm -hmm. at Tommy Ragland, Tommy Ragland got the majority vote riding Obama's coattails, but he, Obama only got 36% of the vote in Madison County, but Tommy Ragland won at 36, Obama 36, Tommy uh, Tommy, um, Ragland about 50, 51%, right? A little Mm -hmm. bit of 50.5, 51%. So what it tells you is a local person, there is a about 15 to 20 percent uh, margin uh, that a bump when a person is local and well known. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if you are starting at 48 percent and you recruit somebody that is local and as well known, that's built relationships, you only have to get four (laughs) percent. 
So let me let me uh, let me follow up on that. First of all, by saying I will never run for public office. Let's just be clear about that. So um, disappointing. So disappointing. B- well, but I but I but I am working for the party to find some people, and I got somebody that I'm going to be talking to Anthony about pretty soon that I think he's going to be excited about. But uh, there you go. But but let me uh, but let me let me ask this question: How do we know that some of those votes, some of that bump and increase, Anthony? wasn't uh perhaps uh from uh now I'm talking about with Joe Biden uh this you know disillusioned disaffected republicans who just thought you know I can't stomach any more Trump uh you know I'm I'm going to cross over and we know Doug also did a very uh I thought effective job through TV commercials of trying to reach that same group of people but but here's I would say democratically, um, David, anything short of actually being able to knock on doors in a democratic in the Democratic Party is that's kind of our organizing strategy, right? Door knocking. We always mm-hmm. pride ourselves on door knocking. We weren't able to do that this time, right? And so what we saw was there is about fifty seven thousand people that vote a straight ticket, right? And so when you have fifty seven thousand mm-hmm. people voting straight ticket. And then the the areas in which you saw the bump, the bumps were in North Huntsville, a lot of them. Hmm. So that wasn't disillusionment, right? That was engagement. And that was us precisely focusing on who? Rare and sporadic people of color. Okay. That's where the bump okay. came from. Because okay. if you look at the election day results in those precincts, and I was calling the men in the boiler room, right? to see if, in fact, what we were doing is, 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 was being effective. So people that did not vote, there are 40,000 African-Americans that did not vote in 2017 in Madison County, okay? Well, targeting those people that did not vote, finding out why they didn't vote, and actually knocking on doors and engaging them, texting them, phone calls, you know, we did the phone calls, all those different things. So <clears throat> what that showed you was that getting them to the poll is a vote for you. It's just getting them there, right? And so, and and engaging them. And so you saw those bumps in the places like that all across all of the precincts. Mm. And so that's not something we should ignore. But I think that as we look at this thing long-term, Madison County is what, 21% African-American? So there's a broad coalition of Democrats Mm. in Madison County. And that's, yeah, something, and that's that's something to be hopeful about. And that was going to be my my question here is, you know, because uh, Madison County is 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 one thing. And I think we all know uh, Madison County is probably a little bit different, if not a good bit different uh, than a lot of other counties in this state, because you have such an influx of of mostly educated people uh here uh for good paying jobs and and things like that and uh and and it's going to change dramatically over the course of the next 5 to 10 years uh even more to that to to those type of people coming in here uh and so you have Madison County and you have Jefferson County Montgomery County uh Mo- Mobile to some degree Tuscaloosa and Lee County so you have a pretty good base there that you can build on but I guess at some point, what do you do to, I mean, what's, I guess, what's the, what's the strategy uh, to, to kind of take that and move it outside of those borders or do you need to, do you need to move it outside of those counties? 
Well, I think you got to re-engage rural communities and really understand where we're missing, right? A lot of times in, in party politics, uh, especially Democratic politicians, this is something I've been trying to get them to look at the national level. We utilize rural areas as flyover country. You know, mm-hmm. what you're doing is maybe you're not competing competing for the win, but you're competing to cut down the margin, right? Mm-hmm. So what we did here in Madison County, we knew that um, Donald Trump increase among um, rare and sporadic voters were going to increase in a lot of the rural areas. We knew that that straight ticket voting was going to increase in those areas. So we had to step our game up and be very precise. So if we would have been at Barack Obama numbers or uh, or Walt Maddox numbers and turnout this time, Republicans would have carried the county about 20 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. But we engage other voters. And so we were able to compete with them. There was only about a four thousand vote difference. Yeah. And so what you're you're beginning to see is that the Republicans cannot add to their bucket. Okay. Because when Trump is on the ballot, when Trump is not on the ballot, 2018 showed us that Republican maximized their turnout around the 62,000 mark. Mm-hmm. That's where their plateau is, right? But here, with the Trump factor and these folks that are infrequent voters in a lot of the rural communities around, right, they turned out higher because of a number of reasons. There's a lot of different reasons, Trump, but also the fear factor, right? And mm-hmm. so, but you didn't have Roy Moore running either. And so for Democrats to be able to perform with a well-known coach running at 48, over 48 percent, that is something to be proud of. Because a 20 percent increase in turnout, if we were back in 2018 and we had the numbers that we had today or 20, um, 20, yeah, 2018, there'll be some folks at home. Okay, Mm -hmm. there'll be some folks at home. And so for me as the local county party chair, our increase was higher than any county in the state of Alabama. Jefferson County, their performance did not. I think their performance is probably. I would bet that is is probably lower percentage wise, countywide uh, this election cycle than it has been the previous election. And I think the same thing for Mobile and uh, Montgomery and Mobile County. I think that there was a Mobile County in in 2016 mm-hmm. and 2012 voted Democrat, but this mm-hmm. time they voted Republican by 10,000 votes. So Madison County is. Uh, I, I agree with you that we have we have uh, some we see some light at the end of the tunnel in Madison County, but Madison County I would argue is uh, is an anomaly in this state demographically, economically educationally, et cetera. So when it comes to, and Josh and I were talking about this uh, in the previous segment before you came on, Anthony, when it comes to the state of Alabama, we've got three basic obstacles that I think we deal with as a party. So I'm talking about outside of Alabama, uh, outside of Madison County now. We've got the people who say, I will never vote for a Democrat as long as the Democratic Party uh, rejects the pro-life position. I will never vote for a Democrat as long as the Democratic Party endorses same-sex marriage. And then the third obstacle is, honestly, race. 
and the fact that white people, not just in our state, but around the country, seem to be predisposed to vote for Republicans because of of complex and very concerning racial uh, perceptions and dynamics. What do we do as a party outside of Madison County? Well, I think that one of the things that you have to do is start evaluating local politics in these places. Uh, in many instances, the local, local politics are as uh, divided as anything, right? So if you're in Jefferson County, look at the level of engagement uh, in Jefferson County that or disengagement where you have local officials in Jefferson County, right? And so it's more transactional because you mostly everyone that's elected is a Democrat uh, in, in Jefferson County, right? And so you'll have some of those those individuals that really have to deal with the elected officials. For me, there's it's twofold, right? I think we have to do a better job of of growing our candidates from within these communities. A lot of times, uh, the way the lines are drawn is harder to get a person in a rural community that may be mixed or majority uh, or majority white to even consider running for office, okay? Mm -hmm. Because of the branding. And so we have to be able to build a communications network that talk about what we stand for and how these issues are impacting uh, these these individuals in these these communities. So we do have to do a rebranding phase. And we actually have to separate ourselves from from the federal level, right? And so a lot of times the messaging that the folks are getting are from Fox News, right? And so that controls, I can't compete with that. We can't compete with that. But what we have to do a better job of is, David, is not having rural Alabama using them as flyover country. There are significant minority populations in rural Alabama that nobody talks to. Okay? So we've not done our due diligence to engage those individuals. We've also not... Uh, done the best job of having conversations about economic policies uh, because a lot of voters are transactional. What What is it? Why would I vote? It's not doing anything for me, right? And so we got to start having conversations at the, at, the, at the grassroots, the local level, to en- engage people about uh, why they should be voting in every election, right? So they don't think about the sheriff. They don't think about the, the probate judge. They don't understand the actual dynamics that those positions play on their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And so I think educating the people on it, getting them in the habit of voting locally, okay, start grooming and recruiting candidates from these local communities, from the councils, from the probate, uh, probate judge or retired judges and different things, people that have name ID that people know. They like to vote for people that they know instead mm-hmm. of some random person that's never been in the community, that has no name ID. It costs you $100,000 to get them name ID. But relationships cannot, so our recruitment strategy has to be different. Our rebranding strategy has to be different. And we got to be able to create our own echo chamber so that people know where we stand and what we stand for. CNN and these other stations that our people tune into, I don't have any control over the messaging. Because it's not talking about Alabama politics, it's talking about the federal level. And so what you guys are doing by engaging people that are more progressive in their thought process, 
is going to help us start to really speak to the people that we've been trying to speak to. But we've not had a communication structure in place. And then the other thing is, hell, we got to play better defense. We let people slide with extreme policies and not yep. talk about it because we're afraid to offend our friends. Mm-hmm. That that has to go. Okay. Yeah. We have to play, we have to play smack mouth, hit in the mouth football right now. Right. Mm-hmm. You got and, and when our friends are out of line, we gotta put we gotta make certain that they're getting hit too. So mm-hmm. let's not mistake a person that pretend to be your friend but vote on issues that have a negative impact on your community. Sure. That person is not demonstrating that they're your friend. So that's why I don't mind. I don't mind taking on whoever, because if you're my friend, you got to show me you're, you're my friend. Don't just tell me you show me you're my friend. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not playing. I don't play games with these folks when it comes to that. And I'm not, I'm not compromising anything. Yeah, it's a, and, and listen, I, I think that that's uh, all. All of what you said is, first of all, very, very enlightening and to a lot of people, and I think it uh, it should make a lot of people uh, feel better about where things are and where things are going. And uh, because you know, I have always maintained that number one, we got you, you, we got to stop apologizing for being for being liberals or progressives or whatever, and start reminding people just what the hell liberals and progressives have done for them over the course of their lives and all of the things that they've benefited from in their lives because of liberal and progressive policies and and things that have got like unions, for example. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, you know, uh, AFL CIO folks uh, that have jumped on board with us here uh, could say you know could tell you a whole lot about that as well. But the you know I I'm telling you that and and getting into the the only way the only way you can start this sort of a movement with the the echo chamber that they have in Fox News and some of these conservative things out there is to get into their living or, or to get into their homes through social media um, and, and through their Facebook pages, through their through the, those sorts of avenues uh, that you can get into and talk to people uh, and engage the people in those communities who have popular followings on, on social media, uh, and you know, and it just uh, you're we have got to have got to stop the the This the one thing you said that, that is, is so right on is we've got to stop apologizing for this. Oh, you know, listen, let me tell you why I'm a Democrat. No, it's not. You know, why the hell are you a Republican? What are they ever done for you? You know, what have they done for you? Well, you're look at look at where we are. Remember, fiftieth and everything around here under ten years of their leadership. You know, and so, uh, but saying it. And making people go along with it, uh, I think, are two different things. And I think we've got a little ways to go in in that area. There are a long ways to go in that area of getting people to kind of jump on board with this. And, and because it really is kind of changing a mindset, right? Absolutely. I think that we are on to something. I, and I think that, um, you know, podcasts and, and other things like that is going to help us long term as long as our targets are right. And and a lot of young people that are dis- disengaged in politics, I think hearing the podcast and really being able to understand they would prefer to get their news and their information from a podcast where they can mm-hmm. take their time to. And so we got to do a better job of making certain that <clears throat> we are where they are. And then oftentimes when you have a, a democratic uh, consultant, their number one thing is, Oh, you got to go up on television. Oh, you got to do a billboard. But that is something for the consultant to make their to to increase mm-hmm. their bottom line, but that's not the type of campaign we should be running. And so you got to be able to be precise, 
Uh, I will tell you this. I get so frustrated when we try to target and say, oh, we're going to target the moderates and the light Republican. Let me tell you something. There are no damn light Republicans. There are no damn moderates. Okay. People have chosen a tribe. And if you don't believe me, look around the country. People have chosen a side. There is not a lot of split tickets. So Mm -hmm. that tells me that what we've been doing is we've been spending more money to try to appeal to a group of people that will never be for us. Right. We got to spend money to get the people that would be for us, but if not for them not getting to the poll. Yes. We got to stop being afraid of our own shadow and yes. trying to play to the other side. That does not, that's not sustainable. And that's what we've been making them, where we've been making a mistake. Well, in, 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 in keeping with that thought, and also with your other thought about the young people, that brings me to my other pet peeve with our party. And that is, we have not done a good job, in my opinion, in this state of, of tapping into the HBCU community. We have more HBCUs in this state, historically black colleges and universities, than probably any other state in the nation or pretty darn close. And I just did not get the sense that, for example, with the Doug Jones campaign, I did not get the sense, and maybe I missed something, maybe I'm wrong, but I just did not see them aggressively courting the HBC communities around Huntsville and Tuscaloosa and Birmingham and the other places in Montgomery and the other places where we have HBCUs, I just didn't see them targeting those communities. Well, and so here, here's my thoughts on that. I think they were doing it. I think it was loosely done because of where we are in the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Our typical engagement is usually in person when we're dealing with those type of groups. And so people like the Erica Foxes and the Tanya Perrys and those type of individuals uh, we're focusing on the civic engagement piece from a, a nonpartisan standpoint. Um, but in the pandemic, you have a lot of students that are doing only online. So you really don't have a lot of students that are actually here in the state that's, that go to school in the state, right? A lot of them are back at home doing the online thing, right? Um, and so you gotta be, you gotta be able to balance the two. I could see a news story where we see, um, Alabama, you know, is like 26% African-American, 27%, give or take. But 40% of the fatalities as it relates to COVID-19. And so you also have to to think about, um, David, you know, if we are aggressive in these places and individuals contract COVID, that kind of tracks back to our campaign, right? So that's why the campaigns prohibited anyone from doing any in-person meetings. and and they did something toward the end. But digitally, um, I think they were trying to target. Uh, I don't think the data was the best data. And I think that this this election will help us. But I think that there could have been more concerts and other things that to really engage these young people. And virtually and virtually and Anthony virtually vents that I, I understand the not being on campus thing. That's not really what I'm talking about on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, where I have a presence, I did not see, you know, Doug Jones connecting with HBCUs. I think, I think, I think he should have inundated Instagram and Facebook 
with messaging specifically to HBCU students and alumni. I think that, uh, you know, as you said, virtual concerts and events, again, targeting those communities. You know, I didn't see that. I just, what I, I, I didn't see, the only thing I saw were some Zooms, which were great. I was glad to see those. But it wasn't nearly enough. And I think a lot of times, sometimes the folks that advise some of these campaigns, they are, they get afraid to go so too far into one community. Boy, you're being diplomatic. You're being so <laughs> diplomatic. But I know what you're saying. I know what and you're so saying. so they think that it has the opposite impact on turning uh-huh. people out that's from another community. I hate uh-huh. that because I think that is some BS thinking. I'm just going to be blunt. But when you uncover the things that I do, I I wouldn't do that, right? I wouldn't. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. But but you're but you got to understand the consultants that are running the show are consultants that have been in consulting for 30, 40 years. So mm-hmm. the playbooks are not working. We've seen that over and over and over again. Even yeah. friends of mine, I mean, they're just not successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to do something different. But a lot of times you hire these people for their contact. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really access to money and other things. And so for me, um, I think we could have done a better job on that. But I think when we unpack the the, 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 the actual data, David, I think you'll see that a lot was more was done than we anticipate than, than we are. That meets the eye. I, mm-hmm. I will say that because at 12 o'clock on Election Day, there are 513 people that voted at Alabama A&M, and there are 411 that went to early vote. Okay, so that's 914 votes from that box. I don't know where they finished the day with, right? And you got to also understand there are only there are less than 1,400 students on campus. So I think that when you really unpack the numbers, it'll give us a better picture of where we are. Okay. Um, I will tell you that there are, like I said, there are a number of counties that underperformed that had a lot of resources. Hmm. But I think that a lot of times we try to focus on <clears throat> we try to focus on people that are not there. I mean, we talk about light Republicans and all that. That's just not the reality. I mean, just to be honest with you, that's not that's just, it's just not the reality. There's no um, if a poor person like Josh mentioned earlier. You talk about abortion, and you mentioned, David, you talk about abortion, right, David? You said mm-hmm. people that, but let me tell you something. If we play more offense about folks being against abortion, even with rape and incest, I think you got to start playing that type of offense to mm-hmm. counter and eliminate the abortion argument. You've yeah, got to start it. playing more offense on these issues. Yeah, that's what, you know, I wrote that. I wrote that a while back about, you know, uh, uh, you, you people, I don't think people know uh, how many uh, abortions have been reduced through democratic policies. Uh, how, how hundreds of millions of abortions have, you know, if you compare them over the course of time, just under Obamacare, uh, you know, since the introduction of Obamacare, and you can trace a direct line, draw a direct line from it. And so those are the type of things too. And I, I'll get you out of here because I know you, you got to go and, and we're running a little late, but, uh, um, yeah, I had one other idea and to see if y'all have thought about this, which is, have you thought about just lying to people? 
I mean, because it seemed to work so well for the Trump campaign. You could do, I mean, if you just lied to people and told them lies all the time. Well, guess what? <clears throat> Those things come back and haunt you at some point. <laughs> and I would prefer to party, build a party long term, not taking a, yeah. I don't want to take a microwavable approach to a, a victory that's not going to be sustainable. <laughs> Right. But I do yeah. think we got to start calling calling people out when they are not telling the truth about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all goes back to messaging. Right. And and and, and David and, and Josh, I want you guys to think about Georgia. Did not was not the Georgia that it is today, six years ago. OK, true. True. So what they decided to do, they decided to focus their attention on building. Okay, They didn't have a strong, strong party all the time, right? But we had a party that set us back sometime, right? Because mm-hmm. there was not a lot of employees, there's not a lot of engagement, right? right. And so mm-hmm. now uh, we have the opportunity. <clears throat> um, I think that our building has to be at the local level. And I don't think, because for me, you know, I thought that 2018, oh, we can do this, we can do that. But I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking properly, right? I was thinking that the top of the ticket could carry the bottom. But in reality, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so, but understanding who your voters are in running a smart campaign, and you build your farm team for the legislature at the local level. Right. City council, county commission, judges, and all that. Then you don't have to pay a lot of money for name ID. Right. Mm-hmm. You have people with real, real relationships and people mm-hmm. that can testify to their success and the things that they've done for them. Mm-hmm. That is the pathway to progress long term. Anything, anything short of that is a disaster. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, you know, I I think that uh, it's it's. You look at the numbers and, and, you know, everybody focuses on the top, so they think it's abysmal. But I think if you, you look down into some things, things are better than, than, than what they were. But, you know, I, I, I think we're, uh, we're going to head in the right direction, uh, here pretty soon. I think that you, you see it, you can feel it kind of, you know, building, uh, along. If you spend a little time around the party now, it's a lot different than what it was. And I'm talking about party leadership and the people who are engaged. It's a lot different. It's a lot younger. It's a lot more diverse, uh, than it, than it ever has been before. And, uh, and I think that we're going to, we're going to head in the right way here pretty soon. But I would also close with this, Josh. Let's not forget that we are st- we we are standing on the shoulders of people that have come before us. You know, we mm-hmm. can't dismiss the work and the groundwork that have been laid before us. Right. You got the Dr. Rees and, and and even Nancy Worley has has some. She's been a statewide office holder, so obviously sure. she's mm-hmm. done something right in the past. Mm-hmm. But I think that for us, we are good at eating our young and our and our and our uh, eating our young and eating our own. And mm-hmm. so I think that as we move forward. Uh, we should be tapping into the wisdom of those that have come before us yes. and come together. So I, I'm not, you know, it's it's about having a, a person described to me a long time ago is that when you have a loaf of light bread, if you take all of the loaf, you, you keep picking and throwing 10 and 20 loaves of bread away, you're going to end up with just a few slices left. So in the party, we got to be able to keep this shit together. Right. We got to be able to to put aside our petty differences mm-hmm. and understand that you didn't win before us, but you've helped us build to where we are now. And mm-hmm. let's let's get together. 
learn from the mistakes in the past, and let's build on that. But we cannot just put these folks that have been there to the side because they are valuable, they are needed, and they need and and, and we 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 appreciate them. So this is not a young versus old, but it is more diverse. But there's a lot more people at the table instead of on the table. And I think the people that have been at the table for years, a long time ago, have to help us move in the direction that we need to go in. So I commend uh, Joe Reed. I commend Nancy Worthy for all they've done. And, Absolutely. And, and, and I Absolutely. don't, I'm not going to ever, you're not going to ever hear me say anything negative publicly about anybody, any of them. Mm-hmm. Because I believe in building with all, not with some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so glad you said that. That 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 um, I think that's important. Yeah, I, I, w- I was not uh, I was not trying to to say anything. I was just saying that I think that we're we're moving in in the right direction. And listen, we I appreciate you uh, taking uh, you know an extra amount of time. I know you're busy, and now you can go uh, you know put your pants on and go to actual meetings and stuff. So it's uh, at a, a, a <laughs> <laughs> I have on pants now. I put them on before I came in there. I know you. All right, Daniel. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you coming in here. Take it easy, Anthony. All right, thank y'all. All righty. Welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Hey, uh, before we move into the into the final segment here, into the uh, right wing note of the week, um, I, I wanted to to take just a minute uh, because we do have a uh, a new sponsor uh, here on board, and that is right. AF yeah AFL CIO uh, the the union folks. Mm-hmm. Are in and, and supporting us and, uh, and and are going to for the next several months, if not uh, hopefully, hopefully several years. That's what we would we would both like. And uh, yeah. uh, but you know, David and I are very expensive, uh, and so uh, <laughs> we don't come, we don't come cheaply. Uh, and, uh, uh, hmm. <laughs> Mm. Uh, but uh but no that listen the uh, uh AFL CIO folks are uh, are top notch and mm-hmm. I have said for years matter of fact I have written and so it's documented out there uh for years that one of the pathway back pathways back to uh both relative uh, relativeness and and uh and competitiveness in um in this state for democrats is to focus on working people and uh, specifically an expansion of unions, because not only is that uh, a political win, that is also a very personal win for a lot of working people in this state and around the country, uh, because uh, unions are what, what built the middle class. Uh, mm-hmm. Here in this country, and uh, sustained it for years, and the decline of the middle class. You can, uh, if you look at a uh, on a chart, and you chart the decline of unions and the decline of the middle class, they run right parallel to each other all the way down the line, uh, and that's that's what happens. Uh, sure. You know, you you you've been able to convince. Uh, uh, CEOs that greed is good and, uh, and, and to deny workers wages, wage increases and a smaller share of things. You've been able to convince the greater public that, uh, strengthening the bottom line is better than strengthening the American worker. And, and so if we, if, until we get unions back on track here and, and mm-hmm. union, uh, participation up, man, that, you know, hey, 
just look at the state of Alabama. I mean, look at look at the state of Alabama. Look at do, do this. Go to any company out there that has union shops somewhere uh, outside of this state. Compare the wages and the benefits and the number of full time benefited workers there uh, in those in the places where there are union shops versus the places where they're not. That's yeah. all you got to do. And I'll you rest know, my case. You know, um, I'm glad we're talking about this. I have a friend um, who uh, used to live in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And she was just telling me this morning that um, a mutual college friend of ours, who's a successful business owner, uh, literally decided to move one of his businesses out of Seattle and into uh, this this neighboring area called Renton, mm-hmm. which I think is is maybe a Seattle suburb or or a neighboring city, because specifically because he was able to then avoid paying the uh, the uh, the minimum wage that Seattle requires, which I think is sixteen dollars an hour. She said, and also he was able to right. not pay his people any benefits. And I just thought to myself how incredibly astounding it is that in 2020, you have business owners who are still trying to find ways. And I mean, this guy's a millionaire. This guy's a millionaire. But he's still trying to find ways to, to basically keep his people in this one business as you know, at at almost you know poverty level, poverty levels, and expecting that that's okay. It's o- it's okay that they don't have benefits. It's okay that they are not making a living wage. I mean, it's unconscionable to me. And so yeah. you talk about the benefit of unions. I mean, unions are what uh, not only have unions directly benefited union workers. Unions have benefited the, 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 the culture and the economics of business in America because we wouldn't even be talking about things like a living wage, Josh, or mm-hmm. benefits were it not for unions. So, I, I mean, yeah, just uh, sick leave, uh, you know, sick leave, paid time off, uh, you know, the 40 hour work week, you know, just small things like that, you know, I mean, that's, you know, overtime compensation and, uh, you know, and, and look, here's here the other thing is, is, is with unions and, and we'll, we'll move on after this, but uh, it, it's that you're not taking something from, uh, you know, from a company, you're not crippling a company. Okay. You're not crippling, you're crippling progress. You know, it, you, you come together at a negotiating table and the, the leaders of the company and the leaders of the union were, and you know, the workforce, the actual workers come together with a plan to move forward that benefits both mutually right. based on the profits and the profit sharing uh, of the company that, right. you know, instead of throwing it to the bottom line and a bunch of investors who didn't do a damn thing, you throw it to the mm-hmm. people who are out there making your products and making your company better day in and day out and making sure those people live a good life and put that money back into the local communities where they come from. You know, right. that's, that's what the unions do. <laughs> and so we're, uh, we're, you know, obviously I, I you know, it's something that I, that I like a lot. So I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I am to have AFL-CIO on board with yeah. us here. So that's, Welcome. Uh, that's Welcome. Glad yeah. to have Welcome. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so uh, to, to wrap this thing up, we're, you know, the one thing we, we're going to do is, is right wing know the week. But before we do that, you know, I just, I wanted to, um, uh, to kind of get 
and to kind of put a cap on the whole uh, election thing here, uh, you know, we, we also in this state uh, elected uh, Robert Adderholt again, uh, Barry Moore, uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Rogers, uh, Mo Brooks, um, out and well, Mo ran uh, on the polls, which is even right. worse, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is. Um, so this is what we've done here. Uh, and we're going to live with it for a long time. We've got a guy who thinks sea levels are rising because rocks are falling in there more frequently. Um, we got a guy who should be, who should have served time in jail for felony perjury, which would have probably uh, prevented them from voting or, or especially running for office. Um, and you're uh, talking a, about, tell people who you're talking about. Uh, Barry Moore, uh, yeah. Barry okay. Moore down in, in, in two, uh, mm-hmm. second district. Uh, you know, we have, uh, Robert Adderholt, who we heard from Rick Neighbors, doesn't even live in, in the state of Alabama anymore, and nobody knows who he is, and so we voted for him by an mm-hmm. astounding margin, by the way, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a landslide, and, yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Um, and, and so, and then your, your Twinkle Kavanaugh won, uh, won again for the PSC uh, board, uh, oh, despite the fact there's not a single person in this state I would challenge any of you to tell me one good thing that Twinkle Kavanaugh has done for the people of Alabama. Anything at all. I, and I, when I say people, I mean like actual ratepayers for electricity, uh, gas, uh, you know, all that. Find me one good thing that she's done for you. And from what I understand, even even in Republican circles, she doesn't command the kind of respect that you would think. Uh, a public official who's getting reelected to the extent she has should. So no, I mean she got she got crushed by uh, uh, our man Ainsworth, Will Ainsworth, you know mm-hmm. my best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, your buddy, yeah, your boy. Yeah. Uh, but you know because people didn't like her. I mean nobody knew who mm-hmm. Will Ainsworth was. You know, I mean he was a self funded kind of guy that was running this outsiders campaign uh, there mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when he ran against her uh, and killed her in the primary. So. Yeah, if she had name recognition, mm-hmm. and, and of course, with a name like Twinkle, you're going to stand out anyway. And, yeah. and then she did have name recognition as a as an elected official. But yet, what I was hearing from at least one of my Republican sources, she was, you know, she was despised, and and I also think they suspected some uh, improprieties as well, or at least they yeah. alleged some improprieties. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, it's uh, but look, it's um, uh, so I guess what my point is here, and I wrote this after the election is, um, uh, right now we have we're we're not voting in this state. We're not voting on for people based on policy, um, yeah, performance, uh, or even really name recognition. Uh, you know, given who we voted for and what they've done and what they haven't done. Uh, we're not voting for that. We're voting strictly for the team at this point. Uh, and the Republican team is the popular team that people are voting for. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem to matter who they put up or what they, they're not even trying. I mean, really, you look at what they, what they say and what they do. They're not even trying. Uh, to say anything, you know, of, of substance to anybody. Well, Tuberville certainly didn't. He didn't have. Huh. He didn't present anything other than I'm Trump's guy. That's all he really said was I'm Trump's guy. 
Yeah, he just went into a bunker and hid for the mm-hmm. last what three months of this thing, and I just that's where that and and when we're talking about <clears throat> the the Democrats and what they've got to do, that's what you're up against mm-hmm. is the other side no longer even has to try, and so you're going to have to figure out a way to make it okay for people to vote for a Democrat to tell people that they're voting for a Democrat. And, you know, to withstand the pressure not to do so. Uh, well, and- well, I mean, yes, but yes, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying. But I still think that we have a whole lot of work to do in terms of maximizing, as Anthony said in our, in our last segment, maximizing the people that are already inclined to be Democratic voters. We, we still have not done the best job there. So to me, it's it's a it's a yes but or a yes and situation. We got to do what you're talking about, Josh. But we also have to do a better job of of of, of playing to the you know of preaching to the choir and getting the choir to get up and sing. Yeah, yeah, I I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, you know, I I just think that it, at some point, if you're going to get uh, you're back to, to being a relevant second party here, break up the super majorities that they have and force, uh, you know, uh, there to be some level of compromise within the, the state legislature, especially, and stop some of this nonsense. Um, I, I think that you're going to have to pull in, uh, people who would otherwise vote Republican. Uh, you know, whether that be white people, mainly white people, uh, but, you know, and then you can start you know, breaking up the demographics from there on white people, college educated, some college, high school, whatever. Um, and and so I think that you're going to have to figure out a way uh, to pull in those people. Uh, and because, I mean, right now, I mean, I have conversations with these people who, who are my friends, uh, you know, about who they're voting for and, and why they're voting for them. And, and for the most part, I can't tell you. But you have a sense of the reason they're doing it is a lot of things they've seen on Facebook uh, with, mm. and, and a lot of kind of following their crowd of people. They believe the things that are popular to believe among their group of friends. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, they believe this stuff about about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Or they believe, you know, I mean, it's pretty amazing that uh, half of these damn people couldn't tell you what the three branches of government are, but they know where Hunter Biden dropped off his damn laptop. You know what I mean? And so that's the sort of thing. See that they're in that bubble though. And so what's penetrating that bubble is what they see from their friends on Facebook and uh, social media. And that's where you've got to intercede uh, at a point there. You think those are reachable people though. You think those. I do. I do. Yeah. I'm not sure those are the ones who are reachable, but. I think those are the most reachable people because Hmm. if you, if that's how they're voting, if that's, if, if that's what's leading them that way, then they can be led a different way. If you can lead mm. them one way, you can lead them another. And so I mm. think that's what's going to have to change. And I, cause I think Anthony's exactly right. We got to stop apologizing uh, for this. We got to start showing people who the crazy ones are. We got to start showing why the policies yeah. are working and why the other policies aren't working uh, and telling people how they're going to be better off and showing them that they're going to be better off and stop apologizing for some of this. And um, speaking of crazy, our uh, <laughs> our uh, our right wing nut of the week this week uh, is uh, is a goodie, uh, but because I, honestly I've could have I could I've saved her for for quite some time I've could I, I've could have uh, have chosen this lady n- numerous times and it is uh, President Trump's uh, 
spiritual advisor, Paula White, who um, led a prayer service this, uh, uh, I, I guess it was Wednesday she led this thing. Uh, that looked like she was leading a marching and strike, band. And strike and strike and strike and strike and strike and strike until you have victory. For every enemy that is aligned against you, let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound uh, of and it, I, I Honestly, the only thing that I could liken it to would be the scene in the Temple of Doom right before the guy pulls the heart out. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, that is, uh, I don't know what, you know, what, what she's doing there, but it's, uh, it's something else. For angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here from Africa, from South America. Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement. Vika hata anda ata ora batarata anda ek ekamanda rasata. For I hear the sound of victory. I hear. All righty. So with that, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to get on out of here. Um, that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Alabama politics this week. Uh, we will we will be back. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, hopefully, going to have uh, Alabama Democratic Party Chair uh, Chris England on with us, and uh, to kind of talk some more about the uh, the party uh, from a uh, you know, the, the statewide uh, perspective and, and what they're doing and, and how they're moving forward with this thing. All right, uh, until then, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.